Welcome to Regal's RyeCast, where we share all things LiDAR. I'm Nikita Gurdon, Training Coordinator for Regal USA. This series features interviews with industry experts from around the world, innovative LiDAR applications, best practices, workflow advice, and even exciting news about hardware and software. The podcasts are produced by Regal at their North American headquarters located in Central Florida and available worldwide through our Regal newsroom on www.regal.com. Please visit our website to subscribe to the newsroom. Simply input your email address and click. It's that easy. The Regal.com website is a great place to find detailed information on the many LiDAR scanning hardware, firmware, and software products that Regal has to offer. Or request more information or a call from a Regal specialist. In today's episode on Josh's road trip with the VMX, Josh will share a discussion with Dr. Harold Teufelsbauer, the mobile division manager at Regal's headquarters in Austria. Josh and Dr. Teufelsbauer recently ventured to the great state of Michigan. From Detroit, Bay City, Standish, and all the cities in between, their week-long road trip took them across the state to see firsthand the demand for mobile mapping systems, visit customers, and create new professional relationships along the way. So fuel up your ride, grab a snack, and rev your engines for today's road trip adventure with Josh and the VMX. Welcome to Road Trips with Josh and the VMX. Today I'm joined by my colleague and friend, Dr. Harold Teufelsbauer. In February of this year, before the world changed, seemingly overnight, we met up in Detroit to start a road trip, a grand adventure through the state of Michigan. We covered about 750 miles over the course of a week. The plan was hatched about a year ago, and we realized there might be something interesting happening in Michigan with the influx of mobile users we were seeing. So we needed to take a trip there and find out more about what was going on. So we made plans. Harold and I both met up taking airplanes to our destination, and then we began our grand tour. So in the 750 miles, we went from Detroit to Bay City, up to Standish, and back down again, seeing the sites of Saginaw, Flint, Holland, and Grand Rapids, Michigan along the way. With that, I'd like to uh, welcome Harold to the call. He's joining me from Austria today, and I believe he's somewhere in a secret uh, mobile scanner development lab uh, that may or may not be at his house. Harold, how are you today? Hi, Josh. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited to talk. Let's recap our tour in Michigan. So, everyone, welcome to our vehicle, and uh, we're about to get underway here. Let's buckle up and go. So, we traveled a good portion of the state of Michigan. How did you like it? Yeah, it was it was really exciting. I'm several times in the U.S., uh, but most of the time just visiting trade shows or being at user conferences. So that means uh, I'm normally close to the airport uh, in the next city, so I haven't had the chance to see any countryside of the U.S. and um, haven't had the opportunity to see how people are living and, and, and so on, you know, to dive a little bit into the country. And our Michigan tour was the first time I spent really a lot of time outside cities, just on the countryside, see how beautiful America is beside uh, uh, the cities. And there have been a lot of impressions that will remain in in, in my memory along this nearly one week uh, in Michigan. It started, you know, it started going by car several hours along endless agricultural land and scattered settlements. This was really new for me, being out in the countryside without seeing people for for such a long time. 
I don't know if this is just Michigan, but I think it's all America where you can find areas like this. So it, it's a really huge country. It's absolutely different compared to Austria, where next village is around the corner. So this was amazing and exciting to see. And it, it, it's still in my memory where we arrived, one of our customers. So we just arrived in the village and Mm-hmm. You know, each, each building was looking quite the same. So there was no real office building there. So I wasn't sure if, if we really made it to the right destination. But finally, it was the right one. So we, we entered um, the building and it was really great. So it was one of the most fancy offices I've ever been. So it, it was really nice there. So we had... Uh, really good talk with the people there. I was impressed how really skilled yeah. they are in, in their work and how deep discussions we could have with all these people there. So, uh, yeah, really exciting being there. Yeah, that was, uh, that was when we were in, as Michigan calls it, the heart of the thumb of Michigan. So it was quite a uh, agricultural destination there. We really did get a chance to slow down and speak with people in in-depth ways that you just you just don't get at trade shows, uh, which was one of the uh, the objectives of this tour was to get a further level of discussion with some of our users, some potential users, and really meet them where they are rather than uh, meeting in a big convention hall. So we visited a large number of different firms in Michigan. What do you think was the uh, overall theme that we were able to take away from the week? I was impressed how many mobile mapping systems are in Michigan. My feeling is that the density of mobile mapping systems is more than elsewhere in Michigan. End of this week, uh, it was clear why, because they are really successful with, with their business and, and using mobile mapping technology. So they, they're rising, uh, their business. They, they know how to earn money with this technology and they really introduced a good standard uh, procedure um, for mapping of transportation infrastructure. So I think this is key uh, to get this technology rolled out. So uh, the DOTs uh, exactly know what they can expect from mobile mapping nowadays. That helps all these, these firms to be successful. But I think this was a long way getting there. Um, our Michigan customers have started with mobile mapping 10 years ago. So it was a long way, but they paved uh, the way there and did a lot of great work in the past. But now they're really successful using these technology. And they've definitely put a lot of work into the infrastructure. And uh, it shows some of the roads uh, I remember from previous experiences in Michigan have been quite rough but they've definitely done a great job working uh, with the survey groups at the DOTs, the infrastructure push that the uh, governor has recently pushed really hard on in Michigan, hopefully continues. And we continue to see great uh, improvements in their infrastructure there. And it helps support our users continue the great work that they've been doing in the survey side of mobile LIDAR. So one of the key elements I remember hearing a lot about was how impressed the mobile mapping community up there was with our continuous product evolution. And typically at trade shows and conferences, when people ask what is the future of LiDAR, it usually turns rapidly to airborne mapping and airborne scanning and how we can go further and higher and faster and blah, blah, blah. 
let's take a moment and where do you see the future of mobile LiDAR going? Josh, you're absolutely right. I, I know these kind of discussions. I think that's comparing to different things and there is application for mobile mapping, for UAV and for airborne mapping. And I think there will not be a huge change in the future, even if, if airborne mapping gets more and more powerful in terms of scan rates and so on and so forth. But you have these kind of applications where you need the really high precision, the really high point density. You need the imagery uh, from different perspectives, not just from nadir, but also from this uh, horizontal perspective that you just get out of the car. So I think the application for mobile mapping, especially nowadays, is more present uh, than before because all these high-definition maps used for autonomous driving, I think this is, at the moment, mobile mapping is the only solution that can achieve this goal to get really these high-density maps that are required for base maps used for autonomous driving. And this is just one application. All these other applications for transportation, infrastructure mapping, and so on and so forth is, from my perspective, it's not possible to do it with UAV, to do it with airborne laser scanning, because it's not efficient to do it with UAVs because line of sight regulation to go with your UAV above three throws, people's heads and so on and so forth. So I think it's absolutely mobile mapping. There is an application for it. And this application, I think, cannot be replaced at the moment by UAV. And I think it absolutely makes no sense to, to replace it with airborne because we are missing the parameters in airport to achieve the goals that are necessary for all these applications. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the main key successes in mobile mapping has, and the difference offsets it from uh, airborne, of course, is the density and the perspective. And then on top of that is the uh, overall accuracy and precision that you can achieve from mobile scanners comparatively. While airborne data can be very accurate, it's not meeting the same accuracy threshold as mobile mapping is due to the long ranges it's trying to collect data over. I think one of the big pieces we've been very successful in with the latest offering of the VMX, which is our VMX2HA, has been the uh, big improvement on the camera side. And just last week or so, when I did a webinar on image processing, we had really outstanding numbers of attendees, which was quite exciting and amazing in a way, because it was just uh, word of mouth and uh, social media advertised. That made me think, have you seen or heard of any sensors that you think might be on the horizon that might gain more widespread use for people wanting to work with them in combination with mobile mapping? Yeah, Charles. So my experience is that most of our users are really focused to get as a complement to our great laser scanners to get high-performance cameras. So the camera topic is more important at the moment in mobile laser scanning to get this integrated as, as the laser scanners because laser scanners are simple to operate. They just work. It's a one-button click, push the button, record, and the thing is done. And it's robust laser scan technology. It's fast and it simply works because you are not dependent on environmental conditions like sunlight 
and whatever happens. So in mobile mapping, the laser scanners, I would say, are the most powerful instruments, which are the most easy part to operate. But our users need all these cameras and imagery to complement the scan data. And this is the reason why we put so much focus also to the camera system. And what I learned in, in all these uh, conferences and user meetings is the combination of laser scanners and cameras. But on the other side, there is not a lot of demand to integrate beyond this. Of course, we have a handful of users who are integrating thermal cameras, maybe multispectral cameras, sometimes also ground penetrating radars. But I would say it's just a handful of users. It's not really a huge market demanding for all kinds of different sensors. It's really 99% is demanding just laser scanners and cameras. But back to the cameras, there are so many different applications in mobile laser scanning. So it's not just the one standard application. This makes it that difficult to get one solution fits for all. So this was the reason why the VMX 2HA is so flexible. You can start with the VMX 2HA just with scanners without any cameras. So this is for all these users who are really just focused on laser scanning. Uh, maybe they, they add a panorama cameras such as the Ladybug uh, 5-plus camera, and that's all they need. But the same system can be upgraded anytime. So it's easy for a user to take the first decision because they're not losing any opportunities when they decide for VMX 2HA because they can upgrade the system anytime with up to nine high-resolution cameras. This gives the flexibility needed for our customers to be open for different applications, for different projects. You can change camera resolution, which means that you have maybe projects where you need the high frame rates. If you are interested, for instance, uh, in pavement analysis, you need to go for high frame rates, combine maybe two five megapixel cameras. Then other cameras are interested in an in object with a high range so far away from the road. So they need this high resolution. So they are going up to 12 megapixel. The good thing is you can combine all these cameras. You can interchange between the ports and upgrade any time needed for your application. This is the most powerful option that we have at the moment, that we are so flexible for our customers. Yeah, I agree with that. I think one of the uh, the statements that struck me as you were talking there was what I think is almost counterintuitive to a lot of people that are uh, in the industry or in just the general public is that you said the laser scanner application and operation is really quite easy. And you're right. We've made it incredibly simple and straightforward for our users to be able to collect laser scanning data. However, most people's common everyday experience is with cameras. And when they use their iPhone to take a picture, it's very easy for them. And I think that creates a misconception in a lot of people's minds that cameras are easy because they're not seeing all of the background processes that happen when you just take a single photograph and comparing that to a mobile collector where you're taking many photographs over a wide area at first thought, it goes, well, it's just a picture taken a bunch of times. I can do that. And so it's, it creates an interesting uh, dichotomy there and in how people visualize that and understand it. 
which sometimes creates a lot of misunderstanding for why cameras don't work as well as the laser scanners. All right, some quick questions here. What characteristic would you attribute to our mobile user community in Michigan, or maybe in general? I would say it's in general, if somebody's deciding for a legal system, they are expecting to have quality standards. So I think Regal is, is known for high quality. And it's obvious that our customer community is a demanding community because if they have requirements, they want to see us get features implemented in hardware, in software to make them just successful in their business. And I think that that's our main goal to be flexible again, to have, of course, our product out of the shelf, but our company has a good size to be reactive on customer needs, which means that we can adapt our products and do developments based on our customers' needs uh, and be quite fast these developments to have quick turnaround time to deliver more of the features needed on the market. And it, it makes us really proud that we have such a wide community with long-term regal users. And I think that shows how good the relationship between uh, our customers and regal is. So it's sometimes kind of a family that we have seen in our user meetings and training symposiums where we have new customers, but those are really long-term customers there. And it's always great to have talks with them and learn from their needs. And I always have the feeling that these talks are very constructive and in the end we are finding always solutions to support our customers and i think that's really a good relation between customers and regal yeah and i think that goes both ways where they expect a good relationship with us and then they have great relationships with their end users and that's why they're so demanding in a way of what they need from us because they're very communicative with their end users and they always want to make sure they deliver the product that their clients expect from them and want from them. So that creates a nice two-way street between us, the end user, and using the middleman as our direct client. So here's some quick questions to test your knowledge on Michigan since we were there for a week. Are you ready? <laughs> Let's try. All right. So how many Great Lakes does Michigan border? I mean, there's definitely one Great Lake. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, there are five total Great Lakes. So how many border Michigan? Ah, five? Yeah, of course, they're just a challenge, right? Yeah. <laughs> a lake, uh, how is it That's called? Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's a Great Lakes challenge, 24 hours. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. We haven't made this, <laughs> but we heard about no, it. No, I have yeah. so it, it, Yes, we did. It comes to my mind again. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's four. Four Great Lakes border Michigan directly of the five. Um, can you name one of the famous colleges in the state of Michigan? That's not easy. <laughs> ah. Okay, so could have said Michigan State, um, Mich University of Michigan, of course, is the great rival of my home state's uh, major college athletic team, Ohio State, the Ohio State Buckeyes, major rivalry there. 
So that's a bit of uh, American sports trivia and uh, challenges there, which doesn't usually fall in the purview of mobile scanning, I understand. All right. Uh, and <laughs> so we drove through this city, but you may have missed it. What is the capital of Michigan? It's Detroit. Detroit's one of the largest cities, or at least was. It's uh, Lansing. But not the capital. <laughs> Lansing is the capital, yeah. The second time through it, I believe you uh, had taken a nap during. So that that could be why um, you missed it. This could, this could be. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I think I'm failing this challenge. <laughs> yeah, this might have to be cut out. <laughs> Not really good. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll, uh, we'll switch to uh, some regal trivia here. All right. What is your favorite color? Uh, my favorite color is it's close to orange. It's red. <laughs> Ah, uh, red. Oh, nice. So it's uh, not the regular orange, green, but it's red. <laughs> Fair enough. What acronym do you suggest that the VMX stands for? It comes from the VQ series, as you know. It started with the VQ 450 scanners. So this is where the V comes from. Then it's for mobile mapping. And the X was originally from the way we mounted the, the VMX. So this was an X-shaped roof mount. So this was how the, the VMX um, naming convention started from. See, I always like to say that it's for very mobile X-pattern scanning system because there's the X-pattern mm -hmm. on the ground. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's, uh, that's also true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <All right. laughs> There's no wrong answer, right? <laughs> That's true. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you very much, Harold. That was a fun interview. It was certainly a great trip, a lot of great memories, and some uh, great customer visits. We ate great food while we were there as well, which could be a whole other episode of what food and drink we had during our time there. But definitely they were some long days and a lot of road trip traveling. As our week came to an end, we decided to venture out and visit the famous shore of Lake Michigan. And while it was a new experience for myself as a Floridian to be on a beach that was not white with sand, but white with snow, the scene was quite remarkable. The waves of the lake were quite high due to the winter storm that had blown in and really looked like an ocean. It was interesting to watch the water freeze on the beach as each wave receded. I did have to touch the water just to say that I did, and it was definitely warmer than the air. However, I instantly regretted taking my glove off. Then as I walked back to the car, I kind of realized why surveyors might find driving in a car collecting data to be such a good idea in Michigan. The wind was absolutely biting cold, and it found every possible entry point in my winter clothing that I had bringing a complete chill over me. And I still feel a little shiver thinking about it. Maybe now we know why there are so many mobile scanners in Michigan because being out in the cold isn't preferred. So Harold, thank you very much for joining us today on this road trip with the VMX and Josh. And uh, until next time, folks, keep on scanning and we'll see you around the block. Thank you, Josh and Dr. Teufelsbauer. Sounds like another successful road trip to lovely Michigan. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us today. More RyeCast on Josh's road trip with the VMX will be coming soon.
Don't forget, more RightCast recordings are available on the Regal USA newsroom. You can listen to them independently, forward them to your colleagues, or play them at your company's next meeting. You, the Regal users, give us the best stories to tell. We appreciate your suggestions, so please send us your ideas or comments to communications at regalusa.com. And as always, have an ultimate light our day. Until next time, Nikita signing off.